0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to explore the dynamic global landscape of audience data and its impact on B2B businesses. Joining us is Christina Prokop, who is the CEO and co-founder of IOTA and the general manager of audience solutions at Dun & Bradstreet. IOTA is a global provider of audience solutions for digital marketing, brands and advertising, leverage IOTA audience solutions, and enrich insights, enhance personalization, and transform omni-channel targeting as a trusted global provider of audience solutions for digital marketing. And today, Christina and I are going to discuss the global audience data landscape. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Christina Prokop, the CEO and co-founder of IOTA and the GM of audience solutions at Dunn & Bradstreet. Christina, welcome to the MarTech podcast.
2: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: The pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Excited to talk to a lady of many talents and also many roles. You are the CEO and co-founder of IOTA and also the general manager of audience solutions at Dun & Bradstreet. Tell me what you do, because that seems like an awful lot of work.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So the brief background is I co-founded IOTA about 11 years ago now, and it was acquired by Dun & Bradstreet two years ago. So that's why at the moment they acquired for their digital audience solutions, they made two acquisitions, one being IOTA and one being a company called NetWise. So they created a new business unit that includes the IOTA acquisition, NetWise acquisition, and the existing Dun & Bradstreet audience targeting business. So that's the area. So this combined business unit is what I oversee. And the reason that IOTA is still a brand that is... Staying under the D&B umbrella as a standalone brand is because it operates a global data marketplace that is a bit different from the B2B, is very complementary to the B2B space, but has a lot more products and use points than just the B2B environments.
1: Dare I say, a lady of data. Excited (laughs) to hear a little bit about your experience. I I think where I want to start today is just understanding the general landscape of data. You have built a data product, sold a data company, still work in one. How have you seen the global audience data landscape change over time?
2: If I look back over the last 11 years or so, I think what has changed drastically is the maturity of the markets, the size of these markets, the applications and the use cases that marketers are using data for. I think that level of sophistication has also just opened up so many new areas of applying data to digital marketing environments. So it kind of went from a very standalone, I'm going to target an ad on a programmatic campaign using a piece of data to a multi-layered strategy sets of applying data at the use case of using external data for audience, so for analytics and insights to understand more about your customers to using that data to create new audiences, being able to look at targeting And then being able to do that across many, many channels. So I think the one really exciting thing that has happened over the last years, which is really what got me excited about data in the first place, is that ability to have one common currency and one set of attributes and sets of truth that get applied across multiple channels, multiple disciplines. And we're seeing that now, I would say, just over the last five years or so, really come to fruition where targeting and analytics, the technologies that are being used, the level of sophistication of the customers and all the use cases that they're applying data to has just expanded drastically. And having that come to fruition and seeing those connections across all the channels is what excites me about the space.
1: Have you heard the phrase data is the new oil?
2: Yes, I have heard that one before. Odd enough.
1: I love that. And I I think it talks specifically to the world is becoming more digital and even what we considered to be legacy businesses, are still turning into technology companies. And I guess I'm a little surprised when you talk about the global audience data landscape, it seems like you're saying, well, there's been this gigantic expansion and not everyone, but a lot of people that I talk to about what's happening in MarTech and data and our ability to get access to understand who our customers are, that there's always this fear of contraction, of privacy concerns, rightfully so. Restrict access to data, but are necessary. We're seeing restrictions in access to things like cookies or really our way to collect second party data. Do you think that the global audience data landscape is expanding or contracting?
2: Landscape is expanding. However, the scale of data may be diminishing over the course of the next years. And what I mean by that is the importance and the application of data in our decisioning as marketers will not change. That train has left the station, the technologies, the maturity of the markets, that is all there and that will not change. But to your point, the most important thing is that all of us, and not only the marketers, but us as technology companies and us as data companies, we have to be working in a way with consumers and with users in a way that ensures we're doing that with all privacy standards being met across the globe. And where that leads to is I think the application points, the proliferation of technologies that will allow us to work with data, that will continue to grow. But if we look at specifically audience data, how that's composed might change. So for example, we may see a contraction in the scale of opted in direct user attributes. However, there was always that element of precision and scale, you can use that as a seed to make some interpretations about similar user groups. So I definitely do not think that this is going to be a contraction of the market. I think just the dynamics of what data there is, what it looks like, what it's used for, how it's collected. I think that is all very much in flux right now.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know, I'm going to keep going with the oil metaphor here, because what I'm hearing from you is the demand for data. People are buying more cars, using more airplanes, things that require oil like that is increasing. We all need and run our businesses on data and our tool set are becoming increasingly better at digesting and helping business decision makers leverage that data. But it might be a little harder to get access to the data, which means to me that the cost of data is likely going up. I'm using sort of my OPEC example here of the arbiters of data realize that there's demand, but they have to put more work into creating the supply. Does that create a marketplace where data is becoming more expensive, in your opinion?
2: It very well could be, yes, because just looking at the economic principles of scarcity, if the scale of the data is going to be decreasing, that raw material by nature will become more expensive. So tell me a little
1: bit about the landscape. When we think about the Dun & Bradstreet and IOTA, there's the marketplace, Zoom Info, another place where you can get data. Give me the lay of the land of who are the power brokers, who are the OPEX and Saudi Global Fund, or who are the people that are controlling not necessarily just the cost, but access to data as well?
2: This is a perfect example of why the acquisition strategy made a lot of sense for Dun & Bradstreet. Because if you look at the audience data landscape, there are a couple layers. And the first layer is obviously the data owners. So the companies that have the data, Dun & Bradstreet with their 500 million business classifications of Duns and all the company structures and linkages and the contact data, You have these companies that have very rich assets, but what they don't have in-house are the capabilities to be able to get that into market, to get that into their customers' hands. Because in the ad tech and martech space, it may sound quite simple to those who are sitting on the outside, but there is a lot of heavy lifting from a technology perspective to be able to enable that. So where IOTA sits is, as a data marketplace, we are a company that really provides the infrastructure to be able to take offline data assets or online data assets, survey-based data assets, and bring them online. And most importantly, be able to pipe those into the endpoints, into the ad tech platforms or martech platforms, where marketers have to actually use that data hands-on keyboard. So that's on the one hand, really driven by the data assets and the data companies themselves, but the accessibility of that data. And again, like I mentioned it before, not only the accessibility in general, but the accessibility to that data across every single platform and channel they work with, that's a technology play. Those are the two elements of it. So if you look at the players from the distribution of data, there's really only a handful of companies that have that network built in from the ground up that's so a company like Oracle Data Cloud or LiveRamp, then if you look from the data landscape, from the data owner's perspective, there's a whole host of companies that have B2B data assets for marketing use cases for these cases of targeting and analytics. And I think the nice thing is DMB is extremely strong in some areas, but to be honest, there are areas where we're not a market leader. So for example, with technographic data, not something we handle in-house with our data assets. So it's great to have IOTA and the network that we have of other data providers that we power through through our marketplace to be able to round out any sort of B2B strategy that customers want to execute.
1: So I guess the last question I have for you as we think about the global data landscape, I'll continue for one last time with the oil metaphor it's different in every country. It's different in every region. Access to data in California is even different than the rest of the United States, which is different than Europe. Talk to me about the global nature of data. Do you see that there are challenges for global brands where regional brands don't necessarily suffer from restricted access to data?
2: I think it actually hits both of them. So on the one hand, yes, there are regional players where Possibly the access to data and the breadth of data that's available may not be as strong as, for example, in the U.S. But just similarly, you also have large global brands where it's equally important for them to have data accessibility to data that is prepared and has a consistent quality methodology across all the markets where they operate. So for us, from the IOTA perspective, the global focus was always very big for us, especially if you get into some of these markets around Asia or some of the European markets as well. A lot of global brands don't have the resources or knowledge to be able to go into every single one of these markets and understand who can provide them with data specific to their needs. So that's a value that we saw with IOTA, and why we really focus on building data that marketplace to cover the globe. And that's really what we're working with the acquisition right now to be able to provide DMB's data into markets outside of the states. So I think we're in 22 markets now with DMB audience data, and we'll continue to expand on that because for us the global play is extremely important. So if you want to be a partner for some of the big brands that have a global presence, you need to be able to adhere to privacy regulation, make sure you have scale, make sure that you have local support for those markets and so on and so forth. So it's an exciting space. And to be honest, that's one of the things that keeps me based over here in Europe, in Berlin, and that global nature of this data and audience businesses is really what always excites me the most.
1: You know, here's my take. When we think about the landscape expansion or contraction with any, let's call it industrial revolution, there is the realization that a new technology exists. Then there is a land and expand sort of pioneer days. And eventually you sort of get to, I don't want to call it market saturation, but to the point where it's not just how big and broad and fast can you go, but who can run an efficient business and operate successfully. We're not trying to lay train tracks as quickly as we can to get across the country. We're not just digging holes in the ground to see if we can strike oil. Now we're at the point where with data, we have access to vast amounts of data. And yes, maybe there are different sources of data that are going to come along. But in reality, the challenge is where can you get access to data that is clean, efficient, ethical, and useful for your business. When we think about the audience landscape, we've kind of mapped the whole world. And now the question is, well, we know where we want to go. What is your business doing? Is it going to go from your region to global expansion? Or do you need to just focus on the data that's right there at home? And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Christina Prokop, the CEO and co-founder of IOTA and the general manager of audience solutions at Dunn and Bradstreet. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Christina and I are going to talk about the new identity data landscape. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Christina, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her company's handle is IOTA Tweets. That's E-Y-E-O-T-A-T-W-E-E-T-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is IOTA.com, E-Y-E-O-T-A. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to MartechPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even apply to be our next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MarTechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle on LinkedIn is Ben J. -J Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.